You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss the importance of protecting public spaces as these federal, state, and local public lands offer opportunities for outdoor recreation. Which outdoor rec activities take place on public lands? What can be done to ensure we have healthy, vibrant public spaces? And how can access to public spaces affect the market for outdoor recreation-related products? Let's get into it. I mean, yesterday the Supreme Court ruled five to four, basically to gut EPA um, of its ability to define a wetland. And so they basically erased all of all of the um, regulations and ordinance that were keeping corporations from dumping waste in in what we consider a wetland. Awesome, huh? Mm. Yeah, awesome. Uh, No, man, wetlands are so key to the healthy environment and. they just so impede the progress of capitalism. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's 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 hard to uh, prioritize it, but it's so necessary to prioritize it, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, there are a lot of costs associated with polluting. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned about this. Uh, clean water is obviously key to um, our meeting our requisite needs. Yeah, but yeah, I'm a little, I'm I'm concerned about that ruling uh, because the costs of polluting, the externalities of polluting, often often land on the consumer and um, the community. Yeah. In the cost horrible, always goes somewhere in, in implicit horrible, or explicit. Yeah, and and sometimes the cost says is not about um, greenbacks. It's it's more about kids' health. Yeah, They're, it's it's very dangerous, and you know not to not to. Um, Except the views of some of our best environmental scientists, as they described what a wetland was, um, was a little bit frustrating to hear. Um, yeah. Alito, Alito, you know, basically just made Scalia's dream come true. But yeah, it did. It did gut the the EPA's ability to enforce rules about dumping in wetlands, and we should all be concerned because it's all of our drinking water. Yeah, I mean, that's also the area where a lot of outdoor rec takes place, right? Like, um. I'm thinking about paddle sports. I'm thinking about um, all the different types of fishing. Yeah. And inshore, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, fly and and spin. Uh, I, I have done uh, stand up paddleboard yoga in wetlands when I lived in Florida. Uh, Not very well, but I've done it. (laughs) um, I'd love to paddleboard in Florida. I've, I've seen some amazing video of paddleboarding in Florida that included the, I mean, the waters are so clear, manatees, rays, yeah. dolphins. I mean, it's amazing. And I mean, to think about how valuable that is to me, really, this feels more like a gut punch. Thanks, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. This also comes on the heels of you uh, beginning your fly fishing career, right? Right. Well, yeah. I, you know, I do live in Maryland. So I think as a state, we're going to do what we need to do to protect our our water, um, regardless of of you know what the EPA can and cannot do. I think the state regulations will will keep any potential um, nefarious polluters from deciding to dump a lot of water in our wetlands. Um, but we do have a lot of wetlands in Maryland, 
and it's, it is something that that concerns me as a resident of my state. And I want I I will probably, you know, ask some of my state legislators if they can basically bridge the gap and make sure that we have state regulation necessary to keep our to keep our drinking water clean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've already had cancer once, so I'm not. Dog on it. Yeah. So we, that's the EPA thing. Um, yeah. We've also got well, a lot of other things to talk about. So <laughs> we can. You you always bring us down. I'm going to try and bring us back up uh, with the Bureau of Land Management's proposed public lands rule, which would establish, I'm reading off their fact sheet now, would establish a framework to ensure healthy landscapes, abundant wildlife habitat, clean water, and balanced decision-making on our nation's public lands, and, and really prioritizing um, some of the non-use functions of the land and setting aside some of the... Uh, consumptive use and even non-consumptive uses of public lands, including outdoor recreation, but but allowing the lands to be healthy enough to support those activities in the future, right? Right. Um, even with non-consumptive activities like hiking, um, we're still taking up space and imposing upon a landscape that that needs its own time and space to uh to have these ecosystem services to that will allow it to maintain its health and and Hordes of people sometimes aren't a part of those ecosystem services, you know. Uh, I thought you were going to bring us up. Wait, well, so you bait me. I mean, you're baiting me. No, 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 no. Um, what I'm saying is everything in moderation, and I, I think that prioritizing some um, some rejuvenation of those landscapes is is uh, you know it, it is worth considering, and that's the proposal that the Bureau of Land Management is considering. That's going to be amazing, and and OIA is definitely on board with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, again, you know, what, what we need to do to protect our public lands and really to protect our environment in general is, is something that you know, we're quite interested in. You know, we want to make sure that our environment is healthy or we're not, pu- yeah. we're not putting it, we're not, we're not putting it in danger. Let's put it that way. You know, it's, it, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to say, yeah, well, let's just see what this chemical will do. If we just dump it, and I, yeah. Uh, can you speak to the amount of activities on public lands for your categories? So, you know, when I think about public lands, and a lot of people think about big, wide swaths of backcountry, and you know, that's just sort of in my, in, yeah. even in even in my mind, I I see big open swaths of mountainy, river laden backcountry, and it's gorgeous, and yeah. nobody's there. But in reality, a lot of public nobody's lands are there. are are green spaces in that are at the local level. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about green spaces that are just, you know, uh, playgrounds and that are, that are, you know, local parks that that's where, yeah. that's where 70% of outdoor activity takes place. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just where it takes place. So when I think about, when I think about public lands, I think about that, but I'm also thinking about, you know, the it's, there's a lot of public land in the U S and, and yes, my, the, the, archetype vision that I have about, you know, just backcountry for miles, you know, just gorgeous, unadulterated with human consumption. That's what I'm thinking of too, even though I, you know, the data says something else, but (laughs) the data says 70% is at local parks and playgrounds. And, but yeah, it's, I mean, this is, I think it's very, very important to maintain our public lands for future generations. We have to think five generations ahead of us. Rather than simply thinking, how am I using it? How can we better use it? Maybe we yeah. should extract all the resources from it. 
what is a generation five generations from ours going to think about that? I mean, we should be thinking about them. Yeah, and I, I think I, I totally agree. And I also think that if we're trying to grow our individual activities and 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 recruit new participants and retain the participants we have, they have to have a place to do those things, right? Yeah, they certainly do. And traditionally, especially in in urban areas, those <laughs> those places have not been um, welcoming safe places for mm -hmm. for especially for kids to go. I mean, talk about the intersection of pollution or, yeah. you know, environmental degradation and and poverty and um, just just very limited access to outdoor spaces. And, and you're going to find an unhealthy community. Um, we think green spaces are key to healthy communities and mm -hmm. we're we're working to expand access to green spaces locally, as well as, you know, the making sure that we're protecting the vast swaths of public land that, that we have in this country that is publicly owned for public benefit. And yeah. we need to, we need to preserve for future generations. But I know it's hard for people to think three generations ahead, but just give it a try. Right? think about your grand, even if you don't have grandkids, even if you don't have kids, just think about, think about what the kinds of things they're going to be facing and you yeah. know how important it's going to be as a community, as an American community, to have those spaces, to have those spaces to be healthy, to heal, to come together, to recreate. Yeah. I, so in our recent study with the Physical Activity Council, looking at participation for our cycling categories for paved, unpaved, BMX, and then indoor as a member of a group and indoor as an individual, we asked about the main reasons for bicycling. And after fun or like fun was number one right fun fun doesn't really help us learn anything but a way to spend time outside was the second answer behind fun right and and having safe easily accessible and like healthy places to have those outdoor experiences is so key to participation in these categories and and i'm sure it would be the same for your categories too yeah we look a lot at the at what we call nature connection um, yeah, that, in, yeah. that, in, that includes all kinds of physical and mental health metrics um, that are positively correlated with activity outdoors. I mean, we have real, we have, we have science behind this. We have um, APA talking about providing scripts, prescriptions, official prescriptions for outdoor activity, especially in nature, because of the, the, the um, clear benefits, both mental to your mental and physical health. So yeah, you know, we're thinking about this a lot. We're this is these are key areas and it's all connected, Patrick. It's all connected. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um I so I've spent most of my life in two states. I spent most of my life in Texas where there's not very much public land at all on a large yeah. scale outside of local areas. Um and I've lived the rest of my life pretty much in Colorado where we have a great deal of public land. Yeah, uh, at the state level, at the national level, there's Forest Service, there's national parks, Bureau of Land Management, all kinds of access to land, and it's so much easier. I I, I was never into big game hunting as a kid in Texas because uh, I shouldn't have access to it. I didn't I didn't know where to go. I didn't have thousands of dollars to spend on an outfitter. But living in Colorado, having access to Forest Service lands, Bureau of Land Management spaces. Um, being able to arm ourselves with knowledge, I guess arm is kind of a pun there, arm ourselves with knowledge and, and the tools to go strike out into the backcountry and go pursue elk or mule deer 
um, or pronghorn or whatever, uh, reduces the barrier to accessing that that activity so significantly that that I'm now spending money to get into that category and get all the equipment that I need to be able to go out into those public spaces and, and be safe and successful with my pursuit. Yeah, you know, if you've got an elk tag, I'll stake you for half of the backstrap. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk offline. Okay. I, we'll the the offline. draw results, the lottery results will come in uh, in a week and I'll know whether or not I have a tag. All right. Well, I'm crossing both both my fingers and my toes for you to get um, a tag, an elk tag this year. That'd be yeah, great. Well, but you- we're going to use this as a segue. So when I was finishing my master's, I did my thesis on the market for elk tags in Colorado. And the the differences between resident and non-resident preferences for tags. So there's there's a certain number of animals that uh, that the experts feel is healthy to be harvested, and then the market unfolds from there. And preferences for residents ended up being different from preferences of non-residents based on a few key factors. But access to public lands is one of those factors. Um, <clears throat> non-residents were more likely to go to guides or outfitters, but but residents were more likely to purchase these location-specific tags, right? There's, there's like right. specific game management units, they're called, um, where they they have access to public lands. And so we're reducing the barrier, we're reducing the physical the, the fiscal cost of, of access in your, uh, your game uh, because we're able to get to those healthy forest service lands, Bureau of Land Management spaces uh, to to go hunt. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm in my new super hot hobby, fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say virtually everywhere I'm going to go around here is public land. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be in the watershed, the state, the state BLM land watershed, which is basically, you know, they don't, don't tell them this, but I basically live there. <laughs> 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 good thing I'm paying. Good thing I'm paying city taxes on this house because I spend most of my time up in the watershed. But yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's super important, um, and it's it's important for for like really serious hook and bullet people. And I'm 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 trying to get into that category. I don't think I don't think I've quite made it yet. But you are, and to sure. you know everyone from from those who really enjoy being in the backcountry and hunting and fishing and and you know living. Versus, yeah. you know, the people that, that want a safe place for their kids to play. I mean, all of that is in the same category. It's all public land. And they're all the same people, too. You and I have talked about how outdoor participants are not in one category. And there's there's even an emergence of backcountry hunters and anglers using electric bicycles to get to those hard-to-reach spaces. And, and all of a sudden, now you're not only in two categories, but you're doing two different outdoor rick activities at the same dog on time, you know? Oh yeah. You're and, probably and, hiking and camping in addition yeah, to biking yeah. and hunting. And you might even be fishing. Maybe you brought your ugly <laughs> stick with you, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're the friend that doesn't have the tag, but you're along for the hang and you're along for the glassing. You're going to go fish or something. Sure. You uh, know, I've, 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 I've actually negotiated and I negotiated my way out of that role because I was going to go just be the pack. I was a pack mule. Yeah. Like I was just going to yeah. help pack the, pack the stuff to eat out. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, I've half, done it a few times. It's, it's a lot of fun. Sure. Yeah, but you get meat. Uh, uh-huh. I assume you got. I assume you got some meat. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'll help uh, for meat. It's pretty sad, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. I think that's the standard transaction. 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess maybe I focus a little bit on on hunting, but this all this applies to all of our other categories too. This applies to mountain biking and, and gravel riding, and, and there's there's so much access for the unpaved, the natural surface riding that's available through public spaces. This is hugely impactful for those activities as well. No kidding. I mean, think of everything from from ice climbing. I mean, yeah. where would where would um, Alex and Old be without public lands? <laughs> hey, what if somebody owned right, Yosemite? Right. Uh, yeah, the, almost every outdoor activity relies heavily on public lands. I can't. I, in fact, I'm thinking through the, my my 51 categories, and mm-hmm. I really can't. I can't think of a single one except. I mean, maybe skiing, maybe because you're if you're if you're doing it on you know on yeah, piece downhill. But a lot of that's public land too. I mean, Aspen leases it. Mm-hmm. Park City leases it. That's public land that they're leasing. Yeah. So even even yeah, what a good then, point. Um, OIA Government Affairs does this every day on the on Capitol Hill and on Capitol Hills around the country. You know, supporting supporting legislation and regulation that helps protect our public lands and expand them and expand yeah. access into them. So yeah, we we are we're very supportive of this, and we hope that. You know, if if there are companies out there that want to help and get in the game on supporting things like this that keep the outdoor market healthy, you know, they should join our organizations. Frankly, they should have membership so they can get the information. They can have the advocacy efforts. They can yeah. they can actually you know join the team and quit being free riders on some of these actions <laughs> that are. That's true. It's a free rider. Yeah. Like I don't have, yeah. I don't have to pay for that. Other people will. I am a free rider, but it's yeah. it's benefiting you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're exactly right. I just don't know if that's how uh, the membership team might put it, but yeah. Yeah, probably not, but I'm researching. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to tell you what it is because, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of free rider theory. That and tragedy of the commons get me going on either tragedy of Tragedy of the commons. Well, I mean, that's I, that takes us back to where we started with, with public lands and public resources and, and um, trying to make sure that we, the commoners, have our spaces taken care of, you know, so that so that we can all access them uh, to a degree that's healthy and sustainable, and within like some some measure of equity, you know. Well, you just kind of set me up to do the nutshell. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Go for it. So the tragedy of the commons um, is a is a very old theory that involves a pasture, a community pasture, and cows. And at the beginning, everybody put one cow on the pasture and, and everything was good. I mean, the pasture was healthy and all the cows were, had enough to eat and the people had enough to eat by through milk and cheese and beef. And everybody mm-hmm. was happy until one person decided, I can just put one more cow on the pasture. Nobody really noticed. It's not going to be a big deal. And then everybody started to put an extra cow on the pasture. And then one person decided, since everybody's putting two cows on the pasture, I'm going to put four on. And pretty soon the pasture's dead, the cows are dead, and the people are dead. The tragedy of the commons. <laughs> the people are dead. I don't think, I don't think in, in my uh, recollection of this parable, the people died. But yeah, maybe it's more impactful if the people die. Yeah, I had a German. You, you I, had a, head, though, right? I had a very German professor who said, yeah. Professor Habermas told us that, yes, in fact, <laughs> the people also they die because there's nothing to eat. Yeah, the tragedy right. of the I mean, it, it makes sense. I, I can do that math. Yeah, uh, no, that's exactly right. And, and that our individual uh, use of, of all of these resources ought to take into account all of the other uses so that we as a collective don't overuse and, and then overtax those resources and, and create an unsustainable environment where we no longer have access to 
safe and easily accessible places to go do our thing. And then what happens? Well, I'm just trying to get to exactly. (laughs) I I mean, you were so great at bringing us all down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not. I am not. I am actually. I'm not. You know what? Not sorry. And I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm not. It's not because I'm depressed or think that there's nothing we can do about these things. But you know, the data is pretty clear on what happens when we when we ignore when we ignore issues. Um, when when we actually decide to put another cow in the pasture because no one's going to notice, metaphorically, and we've got to guard against that. It's 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 very easy. It's very, very easy to get caught up in a tragedy of the commons. Yeah. Let's not make that. So if if I were an oracle, I'd be warning. You've got to stay vigilant, <laughs> stay yeah. vigilant about your public lands. Hey, let's take care of our public spaces. Let's make sure that they don't become dumping grounds. And let's keep doing what we want to do out there. Riding, hiking, camping, ATVing, whatever it is, safely, responsibly, and uh, sustainably. Exactly. And when, you know, the the big temptation is when times are tough to think, well, let's just extract some of those resources that we know are there, you know, whether maybe it's rare earth minerals, maybe it's, maybe it's lithium salts, maybe it's, it's just, it's just pasture for grazing. And, and a couple of ranchers are going to actually literally do the tragedy of the commons by putting too many cows on that pasture. But I mean, all, all these things are important. Yeah. There are a lot of variables, but we must stay vigilant. It is key to our the health of our our very community to keep our public lands accessible and protected and healthy. I'm a, and, and I'm not. This is this isn't just like I'm trying to do a Debbie Downer joke. It's not a joke. No, no, no. You're inspiring. You're you're motivating. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're getting me like riled up to go do the right thing. You know, I dig it. Right on. Let's, Let's mobilize go together. our listeners. Let's go Let's together. Do- Let's do some fighting. Let's fight for our public <laughs> lands. Anyway, to be fair, I don't think, I mean, we're not fighting a tide that's trying to take resources from a, from our public lands, but we do have interests that are interested in, you know, getting access, mining, you know, and I understand, I get it. It's not, it's not a good, bad kind of a, kind of a personal deal, but I want to protect our public lands as they are. I don't want those resources extracted, even in tough times, even mm-hmm. when times are toughest, we've got to, we've got to preserve the that which is most valuable to our future generations, and I think public lands that are healthy um, and and expansive are what the future or generations of Americans are really going to need to stay mentally and physically healthy. Beautiful, I love it. And of course, to sell outdoor product, we need that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> now we can end the episode. Now we can end it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.